Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Even as the COVID pandemic shows no signs of slowing, monkeypox is the latest disease making headlines across the country, and it's becoming a real problem in the Bay Area. As of Monday, there are nearly 2,000 cases in the U.S. and more than 250 in California. About a third of those have been reported here in San Francisco. Most of the people affected are gay and bisexual men. That's why on Monday, LGBTQ advocates gathered outside of the U.S. Health and Human Services Office in San Francisco to protest for a stronger and more adequate public health response. Protesters are accusing the federal health department of being too slow in its response and in the distribution of the monkeypox vaccine. Why aren't our elected officials doing more to respond to the health care needs of our community? We're standing up. We're fighting back. We're demanding uh, a more uh, robust and urgent response now. They're calling it a public health failure. Omar Rincon is a board member of the Alice B. Toklas LGBTQ Democratic Club. That's the group that organized Monday's protest. Rincon complains that there haven't been enough resources or information to navigate the risks of monkeypox, including contact tracing. When he was notified about a potential exposure, he contacted his health provider for help. This was a Monday. They told me call back in Friday. I called him back in Friday. They told me call back in Monday. I call back in Monday and they tell me the same thing. And that's when I tell him, are you even going to take my name? Are you even going to tell me any measures that I should take, anything, contact tracing. LGBTQ advocates say that after more than two years of COVID, the lessons of the pandemic are not being applied to monkeypox. It's just like abysmal that after two years experiencing this, even health providers are not keeping up with what should be doing a robust response to contain this crisis. One of the protesters' chief complaints is the lack of availability of the monkeypox vaccine, which was developed in 2019. At the moment, the federal government is only supplying about 10% of what the San Francisco Department of Public Health is requesting. The time to stop monkeypox is not in the summer of 2023. It is right now. Right now. 4,000 doses next week is not enough for San Francisco. We need 40,000 doses, as our Department of Public Health has asked for. While monkeypox isn't nearly as deadly as the HIV-AIDS crisis of the 80s, it is dredging up some trauma in the LGBTQ community. Paul Aguilar, who attended the Monday protest, explains. I just think there's stigma against the LGBTQ community when it comes to diseases. Look, 40 years ago, we were treated like lepers. I was there. It was horrible. When something like this hits, traditionally, we've been overlooked. We've been ignored. It's been downplayed. And we saw where that led when AIDS hit. We don't need a repeat of that. 
Today on Fifth Emission, I'm joined by Dr. Tyler Termier, the CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. We'll chat about how advocacy organizations like his are stepping in to fill the gaps in the public health response and why monkeypox is stirring up concerns over stigma of the LGBTQ community. Later, Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday joins me to talk about how to stay safe from monkeypox and whether transmission of the virus could become widespread in the larger population, not just the LGBTQ community. Let's start with Dr. Tyler Termier of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Dr. Termier, thanks so much for being on Fifth Emission. Thanks so much for having me. So I'd love to start with understanding what you've been seeing and hearing on the ground. How has monkeypox impacted San Francisco's LGBTQ population? What's transmission been like in the community and how are people managing it? Headed into the Pride season, we started working with local and state public health to best educate our workforce for what we thought was a foreseeable outbreak of monkeypox based on what we were seeing and hearing not only across the country, but in other parts of the world. Coming out of Pride Weekend, we wanted to make sure that if folks felt like they had potentially seen an exposure or had an exposure, that they could reach out with questions or concerns and start to populate waiting lists in the city as we were awaiting vaccine. By June 30th, um, we had our first doses of vaccine, but in that moment, we also saw party planners from the Pride Weekend start to email their guests, letting them know that there had been known exposures. So hundreds, if not thousands of individuals started calling San Francisco AIDS Foundation and community health clinics across the city out of fear and concern for possible monkeypox exposure, some who already had symptoms. LGBTQ organizations have had to step up because of the gaps in the public health system. Let's take a listen to what Omar Rincon had to say about that. He's the board member from the Alice B. Toklas LGBTQ Democratic Club. LGBT organizations have been in the front lines getting all the information, uh, really putting information about vaccinations. And I think it's basically because we are very aware about these things. There is a lot of PTSD in the LGBT community related to the HIV crisis. I talk every day with people that is 30 or 40 years older than me, and all of them lost someone in the AIDS crisis. Dr. Tremier, how did your organization, the San Francisco AIDS Foundation, fill in the gaps in order to address monkeypox concerns in the community? We began trying to scale up our clinic, uh, Magnet, which is our sexual health clinic, to roll out vaccination, but also hearkened back to the beginnings of the foundation where our first program was a hotline. And we came together to support the LGBTQ plus community during the HIV epidemic. And in this moment, we came together to support the monkeypox response. We launched a hotline, which has been receiving over 500 phone calls a day wow. from people who are scared. Mm -hmm. They don't know what they're supposed to do. They're waiting in long lines or long phone trees trying to find access to a vaccine that just doesn't seem like it's going to come. So, you know, we began to put pressure on public health at the federal level to demand information and transparency around where vaccine was and what the issues were. We learned that the federal supply is issued to the state 
And then the state makes decisions on allotment across California. And then the local health districts distribute throughout our area. So this wasn't a local public health issue. They were distributing in the best ways that they could. And we knew that our advocacy needed to be. So clearly vaccine rollout is an issue here. Is it also public health messaging? What's really impacting the community's ability to stay safe? Yeah, I think there's a variety of issues at play. You know, we want to ensure that everyone who may be at risk for monkeypox has access to the information and knowledge they need to be aware of any symptoms associated with monkeypox and know where and when they can get a vaccination. A lot of that information has been sporadic and only really if you follow certain channels of information. And so I think that there needs to be a more coordinated public health response. Part of the challenge that I think we are seeing is this has very much been labeled as a infection that is solely impacting the men who have sex with men community. We are emphasizing that this is a public health concern for all folks, that monkeypox Mm -hmm. is a viral infection that is spread through skin-to-skin contact. And while it is predominantly impacting cis and trans men and other non-binary folks who have similar social and sexual networks, that this could impact anyone. And Mm -hmm. there's no biological reason that it has impacted men who have sex with men more than other communities. It sounds like you're not really pointing fingers at the local response when it comes to the monkeypox vaccine problem. This is the federal government and a state distribution problem, like you mentioned. But are there things that the city of San Francisco could be doing better right now? I think that there are lessons that could and should have been learned from the COVID-19 response about coordinated public health messaging, about coordination of vaccine response. So it's not a free-for-all, first-come, first-serve model, but that we're having thoughtful and intentional conversations about vaccine equity in our community. It's my hope that as we do start to see more vaccine arrive in the city, that those conversations will occur so that we don't repeat any mistakes of our past where communities of color or other communities that have traditionally been furthest from access and opportunity in the healthcare space aren't left behind in the conversation around monkeypox vaccine. Mm -hmm. You know, what you're underscoring at this moment is this kind of neglect by the government you know, particularly at gay and bisexual men, what has made this demographic vulnerable to this kind of historical inattention from your perspective? There's a great deal of stigma still associated with being queer, with being a member of the LGBTQ plus community. It's still an issue that very much is politicized and the stigma in combination with making monkeypox a political issue has become a significant challenge for us. The sense of urgency is just not there in this response in the way we believe it would be if it was impacting another population. And that can be incredibly triggering for a community that has very valid reasons for medical mistrust and a very valid history of the HIV epidemic 
where the federal response did not support those who were struggling and dying from HIV in the earliest days of that epidemic. Speaking of the HIV AIDS epidemic, you lead the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Are there lessons from that public health challenge that you think just aren't being referenced or applied in this monkeypox situation? Yeah, you know, 40 years into the HIV epidemic, and you would think that a new public health crisis would have so many lessons to draw from. What is the same is that in a moment of public health failure, it is a resilient community of queer folks that once again have come together to challenge the federal public health response to this issue, to advocate for what's best for them, uh, to take it upon themselves to share information through their social networks and their sexual networks. I think what's not happening in a transparent and coordinated way is an understanding of what vaccine equity will look like once there is a robust and free-flowing amount of vaccine in the area, and what efforts will be done to ensure that any bureaucratic steps that are creating barriers for folks accessing the treatment or the testing that they need are removed so that the public health response can begin to beat the curve before we see further spread, not just among men who have sex with men, but into the broader community. You mentioned issues around equity and access to vaccines. Let's hear from Monday's protest organizer, Omar Rincon, again about issues facing vulnerable communities. All the problems that I've seen with my friends, language barriers, uh, there is not adequate information for people that don't speak English. A lot of people don't have insurance or there is like a lot of misinformation about how much it can cost or if this is going to be reported to some agency in the federal government for people that is undocumented as well. Dr. Termier, what other concerns do you have around equity and access? I think there's just a broad set of equity concerns around ensuring that we are making sites as accessible as possible once vaccine is more available. Many of the vaccine sites are producing daytime clinics with very long waiting lines, even if folks have appointments. And um, there are many communities including communities of color for a variety of historical reasons that don't have the same flexibility in their employment and don't have the same flexibility in their day-to-day lives to be able to go stand in a line for six, eight, or nine hours for a vaccine. We also need to ensure that we're lifting up language equity in this moment to ensure that our non-English speaking communities in the region have access and knowledge about monkeypox and awareness. There's nothing in this moment that is making us think that one demographic may be more susceptible than the others, but we do want to make sure that all communities are getting the equitable amount of information and access to this monkeypox response. Mm-hmm. Monkeypox is being described kind of like an STD, even though we know technically it isn't one. Are you concerned sort of looking ahead at the work that you might have to do? You've mentioned stigmas, but you may have to do some more work around debunking stigmas to a population that already faces so many. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of concern around stigma, um, not only in the way it's been labeled as an infection that's impacting the men who have sex with men population, um, but even in watching the World Health Organization question the name monkeypox, um, which is currently under review as a discriminatory way of describing a new version of this infection throughout the United States and beyond. This is just another example of where a coordinated federal set of messaging could help prevent the stigma that's happening to queer people across our country. And I do think that if this was a viral infection that was impacting um, our white counterparts or were impacting um, other communities, that the response would have more urgency behind it, that everyone who needed access um, would be finding access. It is very hard as someone who identifies as a Black gay man who's been living with HIV for the last 18 years to not feel harmed by this moment. Um, I too have not yet received access to a vaccine. I spend my days fighting for the community alongside an amazing team of advocates in the community and the incredibly talented and dedicated staff I have at San Francisco AIDS Foundation. But many of us are working around the clock on this issue and still don't have access to vaccine ourselves. And we, too, are at risk for monkeypox. Dr. Tyler Termier is the CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. After a quick break, I'll be joined by Chronicle Health reporter Erin Alday. She'll talk about how monkeypox is transmitted, why the LGBTQ community is particularly vulnerable, and how we can keep ourselves safe as a threat of widespread community transmission looms. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Before the break, we heard from Dr. Tyler Termier, the CEO of the San Francisco AIDS Foundation. He explained why the monkeypox response is triggering old pain from the HIV AIDS crisis in the LGBTQ community. Community members organized a protest on Monday to urge a quick response, not only to address the health risks of monkeypox, but to also curb the stigmatization of the LGBTQ community. Here's Omar Rincon from the Alice B. Toklas LGBTQ Democratic Club again, describing why curbing the virus is important. We should be mindful that uh, we should not stigmatize because that's the next stage. Once that we start to see more and more people contracting this disease, if we don't control it, uh, then people is going to be stigmatizing other people. So we need to be ahead of the curve. I'm joined now by Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday to talk about how real the threat of widespread community transmission is at the moment. Erin, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back. So the last time we chatted about monkeypox, you predicted that people shouldn't be too worried about it and that most people probably 
won't come in contact with the virus. We just heard from a lot of concerned San Francisco residents who feel otherwise, particularly those in the LGBTQ community. Has monkeypox gotten more serious than maybe what you initially thought? I don't know that it's gotten more serious than I initially thought. I think, you know, the concern has always been about how far and this is going to spread within especially this LGBT community where the cases kind of first came up. And obviously, we're concerned for individuals in that community, especially gay and bisexual men and trans women who have been especially high risk. I'm very concerned and still concerned. We might see spread in sort of the broader community and get this virus established in the Bay Area and California in the United States. We're not at that point. And I think there's still is a lot of sort of question and uncertainty about if we will will ever get to that point. So I think as of now, I mean, the risk to the community at large is still very low Mm -hmm. and is still not that significant among, you know, even in the kind of broader LGBTQ community. I mean, I think folks should be appropriately aware and concerned about that for sure, be thinking about it. I don't know that it's a really high risk to everybody in the LGBTQ community and definitely not at this point to the community beyond that. Mm -hmm. And remind us about transmission and why we have seen more cases in the LGBTQ community. Well, what's happened is this outbreak started kind of in these sort of sexual communities, started spreading through, we believe, sexual contact, not necessarily the way other sexually transmitted infections spread, like through, you know, seminal fluid that kind of contact, but just that really close physical intimacy in especially these communities of gay and bisexual men. And we're still seeing that spread beyond that now. We're seeing a little bit of spread. But at this point, the vast majority of cases that are being reported are still among, you know, men who have sex with men, gay, bisexual men um, who have multiple partners. And that does continue to be the defining feature of this outbreak. And so what activities are we talking about? We're talking about, obviously, sex itself, but like kissing. I mean, is it also, can it be through close breathing? What kinds of activities aid transmission? So I think that we don't know that exactly yet. We know who's getting infected and we know what kind of behaviors um, those folks are participating in. So again, folks with a lot of sexual partners, folks who are having, you know, a lot of sex um, at sort of venues and events and stuff like that. We don't exactly know that it's from a certain type of sex. We don't know if it's just from kissing. It could be, you know, different kinds of physical contact. But I mean, it's hard for us to say we don't necessarily have the science to say exactly what kind of contact. We know monkeypox can be airborne. You can get it kind of from breathing the same space as somebody. But it takes that kind of really prolonged contact for that to happen. And my understanding is that's pretty unusual. That's not that's not typically how monkeypox spreads. But it also, you know, in, in outbreaks in, in West Africa, where it really is endemic, you would see outbreaks in households. So people that were sharing a bed, mm-hmm. sheets and linens, um, share clothes, you know, parents caring for small children and small children who you know, we're in the same space. So that kind of spread certainly can happen. And we're probably seeing some of that now that we're mostly seeing this sexual transmission. And remind us what the common symptoms are. What have cases here in the Bay Area looked like? Generally, it's been similar to what we typically see with monkeypox, which is it usually starts with sort of flu-like symptoms. So you'll have, you know, fever, headache, body aches, 
that kind of thing. Um, and then the, the real telltale sign are these lesions. So this rash that you can get. What's different about this outbreak is that the rash very often starts sort of in the genitals. So people will get lesions um, kind of in the genitals, in the anal region, that kind of thing. Usually that's not the case with monkeypox. The, the rash will often, in fact, it's notable for starting sort of on the face or torso and then spreading from there. And that's not what we're seeing in this case, which is, you know, it's obviously what's led people to think that it is spreading through sexual transmission. Mm-hmm. But that definitely is one of kind of the standout criteria in this outbreak. And then other than monkeypox being very uncomfortable, are there any long-term or life-threatening reasons to try to avoid getting it at all? I mean, you know, it's like with any sort of virus, you you want to just avoid it just because you don't necessarily know. And monkeypox can be fatal. We haven't had fatalities in this outbreak. There have been a few globally. I don't think there have been any in the United States at this point. As far as I know, there's no long-term complications. So people generally recover fully um, without even any intervention and they're past it. Mm -hmm. But I will say it's like, it's deeply uncomfortable. And I mean, I've heard from people that it's it can be incredibly painful. I mean, people have been, mm. you know, in the ER needing to get on pretty serious pain meds just to sort of get through a day. Mm. You do not want to get this. It is very, very um, uncomfortable and it can last four weeks. Mm. You think it's hard with COVID to be quarantining for, you know, up to 10 days, but this is like basically two weeks minimum and it can be four weeks. And yeah, I would definitely want to be avoiding this. Are health experts at this point learning anything new about monkeypox? We know it's been around for decades. Is it behaving as health experts predicted? Not necessarily. Um, You know, the sexual transmission is new. And because of that and because of some kind of mutations that they've identified, they've done some sequencing on the virus that's spreading. There is some, some thinking that this is spreading more easily, that something has changed about the virus to make it spread a little bit differently. But I think that that still is a question that we're working out. But, you know, we've all learned this lesson with COVID again. Mutations will completely change the nature of something. And I think one of the reasons to get this outbreak under control as quickly as we can is to, you know, prevent this from mutating further and and learning to kind of spread in a way that makes it harder to control. And is getting the monkeypox vaccine the best way to protect yourself at this point? We know that vaccines are in short supply. What are the best methods for people to stay safe? I mean, the best methods right now, I mean, vaccine, if you can get it, people should. And hopefully we will have more vaccines soon and, and a lot more people will be able to get that, which would be excellent, obviously. But in the interim, it's unfortunate, but you kind of just have to be really careful. And I think if you are having sex with multiple partners, you want to have frank conversations with people about how they're feeling. Um, Have they noticed any lesions? You probably want to look, you know, take a look and see, you know, does somebody have a rash? The problem is a lot of people, I think, have gotten kind of accustomed to sort of dismissing some of the traditional sexually transmitted infections. So sort of they don't worry about that. They get treated for it and it resolves itself and they're over it. And so I think people are just sort of needing to get back into that level of awareness again of being just very, you know, frank, very open, having those conversations um, with their partners just about, you know, is anything going on with you? Is transmission possible without noticing symptoms first? I think... It's possible. um, And that is certainly one of the big concerns now, especially with testing, because testing has been really reserved for people who have the lesions. Our tests now for for monkeypox actually require there to be lesions because the test itself requires swabbing a lesion. Mm. And so 
you have to actually have a rash before you can get tested because that's the only way we test. And so there is definitely concern that people could be contagious before they have that that trademark rash. So if they're having like a fever, that kind of thing, that maybe they're able to spread it. I don't think we know that definitively yet. So that's definitely an outstanding question. And it's a reason to get you know, more testing out there, more screening, um, and obviously to get more vaccine. So Aaron, we've heard a lot of anger and disappointment over the slow public health response and low vaccine supplies. But we know this virus isn't new like COVID. What's your take on why it feels like we weren't prepared for something that's very well known? Well, I think the issues are really legitimate. And the big frustration from a lot of you know, infectious disease folks that I talk to is that we have these vaccines, we have very effective vaccines, and we just didn't have the stockpile of it that we needed. The federal government just didn't plan to have a lot of this vaccine that we wanted to use on hand. So there's a lot of sort of vaccine that's potentially available, but it's been sort of tied up in bureaucratic kind of paperwork. And again, the testing has been, you know, also a little bit slower than people would like to ramp up. And I think the main concern is that we saw this happen with COVID and it feels to people like we're making the same mistakes all over again. I don't think that's quite fair. I don't think it's the same mistakes. Um, Mm -hmm. This is a very different situation. It's a lot more targeted. The risk is not universal like it was with COVID. It's just a very different virus. It behaves very differently. It's just kind of a problematic situation that people are understandably frustrated with. I don't know how much more can be done to move things along faster at this point. You know, a lot of people raising the point that if this was something that was affecting people outside of the LGBT community, that the response would be moving faster. And I think that's fair. So, Erin, I don't want to be all doomsday, but paint a picture for me. What's the worst case scenario with monkeypox? How real is the possibility that it'll become widespread among the general population and that the federal response with vaccines and testing is still really low? Is that possible? I mean, it's possible. Yes, we've seen in other countries where this is endemic that it can be deadly. It can be a very severe illness for children. So, you know, we really want to keep it from getting into the broader community. The upside is that, you know, we are going to potentially have a lot more vaccine by the end of this year and, and into early next year. So if there is a situation where it does kind of break out and become, you know, part of the community, we are much better positioned to have a response to it to kind of tamp it down. And again, it's nothing like COVID. It, it doesn't move as quickly. It's not going to escape the vaccines the same way that COVID has. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that we can definitely get on top of. And I think, you know, wrestle control as needed. And so if people suspect that they have monkeypox or they've been exposed to it, what are the best tips? What should they do? If they have symptoms, they definitely want to go and and talk to a healthcare provider and get tested for sure. At this point, if they're a known exposure, they should certainly seek out a vaccine. If they don't have a known exposure, I wouldn't be seeking it out at this point. I think that there are other people, you know, we need to be thoughtful about that and make sure that it's getting to the people who need it the most. But if you have symptoms, get tested. And if you have symptoms, you also should seek out the vaccine because it can actually still be helpful even after you've had an exposure. Super helpful, Erin. Thank you so much. Great talking to you as always. Thanks for having me again. Erin Alday covers health for The Chronicle. Find ongoing coverage of the monkeypox virus online now at sfchronicle.com and on The Chronicle app. Special thanks to Melissa Newcomb for the interviews and audio recordings from the Monday protest and to Karen Creighton for producing this episode. Thanks for listening.